The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Irishman stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is the Freedom's Disciple podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Dunn. This is the show exclusive to the Blaze where you come for the accent, but you stay for the principles. I hope you're having a, a wonderful and peaceful weekend. We have a jam-packed show for you today. We want to delve into some principles. I want to talk to you about the tragic, horrific shooting that happened this week in Florida and the media's response to it and what you are discussing right now. We also want to discuss North Korea and the media's response to that. And I have a different take than a lot of commentary I've heard this week because I've actually heard a lot of commentary about North Korea and the media. And I have a different point to make, and it's not about Donald Trump. I want to talk to you in the constitutional segment. I want to talk to you about the Second Amendment. And lastly today, I want to talk to you about economics and the military budget. And the budget in general that was talked about in D.C. this week. But we're going to start with the Florida shooting. Unless you've been living under a rock, you know there was a yet another horrific shooting in a school this week. It happened in Florida this time. And how is the response? What is the response of the media? What is the response of the talking heads, the, the pundits, you know, all these ideologues who are who are just so smarter than you and me? Well the response is typical. First of all, if there was ever a sad reflection of America right now in 2018. I think there are many things there are to be sad about, but I can't think of one that is sadder than the politicians and people on social media and media people mocking those who dare offer their thoughts and their prayers. It's a, such a sad thing that when you see something horrific and you, you feel so helpless, like what else can you do? And you offer thoughts and prayers and you're mocked for it. That is such a sad reflection of America. And this is not just an American thing. This is a world thing as well. What you believe in God. What you think God. God listens to your prayers. There's no such thing as God. The world just was just created by atoms banging off each other. It's so routine to mock God now. It's unbelievable. But I would ask people. How do you want people to respond? Like, if you just think this true, so you mock people who have, I, you know, send your thoughts and prayers to those in Florida. Would you rather they just were apathetic? Would you rather they just were, ah, there's another shooting in Florida, ah, and go on about their days and li- daily lives? 
Would you? Was that what the reaction you want? But also, the response to people on social media is incredible. Let me give you some examples. And I'm going to change them because I want to make them examples that you may have experienced in your daily lives. So I'd ask you just to, to close your eyes and imagine someone very close to you. And I'm going to give you a couple of examples. Imagine we're friends, we're family, and I actually live near you. And someone really close to you that you love, you know, you, you, if you want to visualize a kid, fine. If you want to visualize your parents or, or your spouse or, or someone really close to you. And they die in a car accident. And my initial reaction is, you get on the phone to me and you go, look, I need to see you. Um, my, you know, so-and-so has just died in a car accident. And I come to you and my reaction, this is how I react. The damn government, they, they need to make more speed laws. Why, what were people doing? What were you doing? Why wasn't there more rules? Why wasn't there more regulations? You see, this is the, this is the car lobby. This is all their problem. This is all they have. This is all their fault. Damn car lobby. Or imagine if, if someone really, really close to you died of cancer. And I come to you and I go, you see, this is big pharma all over. You see, they have the damn treatment for cancer. They have it. They know they have it. But they won't release it because it's not cost beneficial. DC needs to do something. If that was my first reaction to you, how would you respond to that? Would you like that? Would you feel, you know, would you feel loved? Would you feel embraced? Or would you rather, when that bad news, if that bad news came to you, where I'd said absolutely nothing and I just gave you a huge hug? Where I listened to you? Where if you wanted to cry and maybe get angry of the situation, that I'd listen to you, that I don't aggravate it? Which would you choose? Because the option one, the first option where we just go out of our mind and we start making things political is what so many people seem to want to do every time there's a disaster, especially a shooting. The minute there's a shooting, it's these guns, need more laws, damn NRA. Have we no compassion? Have we no, well, you know what? There's going to be a time for a debate on this, on how to fix this, but now is not the time. Now is the time to have compassion. The sent to those families. They are not alone. But let's talk about this because a lot of people are right now going, well, we need to fix this. If you've been following social media, you've heard a lie this week of, well, there's been 18 shootings uh, this year so far. There's been there's 18 shootings. We're averaging three a day. Or, sorry, one every three days. There's been 18 school shootings. And, and this has been, been supported by the media. This is a flat-out lie. You know it's a lie when the Washington Post has an article, no, there have not been 18 school shootings. And there's a great article, which I'll let you read for yourself, on the Daily Wire, great website, Ben Shapiro's website. Media push to claim that there have been 18 school shootings in 2018. Here are the facts. And they lay out each and every school shooting that there have been. Some of them have been just... Now, a school shooting is... Someone been shot, they're shooting themselves in the toilet. That's a school shooting. There have not been 18 school shootings. A lot of things, I'll give you one stat. The 17 school shootings prior to this week, three students died and roughly 30 to 35 were injured. Get to see a sense. There haven't been 18 school shootings. Now, there have been too many shootings. 
one is too many. But let's actually have a conversation about how we actually fix this. Because everyone wants to make this about a gun. Everyone wants to make this, others want to make it about a video game. Everyone wants to make this about the NRA. And what you'll see is there's going to be this big circus online. You'll see all the media and the talking heads going on every show they can. We need gun control. And if you actually dare have an interviewer who, I don't know, is unbiased, which I know I'm asking a lot here, and you ask them a question like something simple, well, okay, you need gun control. Can you give me the gun control law that would fix, would have stopped Florida? They won't ask that question because they know the answer. But let's just say, you know, let's play along, let's play make-believe that there is actually a journalist out there who, I don't know, wants to be a journalist and not a talking head puppet. For one party or the other. You will hear crickets. You will hear crickets. We will just play this circle. This circus. Over and over again. We need gun control. We need gun control. We need gun control. Guns are the problem. Yet we will forget. To identify. What really. Is the problem. So let's have a conversation shall we. First things first, the guns are not the problem. Guns don't kill people, people kill people. On this show, we don't name the scum, yeah I said it, the scum, who do these horrific acts. I'm not giving them any fame, I'm not even acknowledging their existence, because they're scum, they're evil, they're wrong. They're the dregs of society. That is who is responsible this week. And if anyone thinks otherwise, you seriously have a a logical and a reason problem going on in your head. Because laws, legal system, the legal system that is set up says, if I hit you with my car, I'm at fault. I can't go around and go, well, it's the car. Car hit the car hit you. I didn't hit you. I was in. I was in the car. The car hit you, not me. If I stab you, I don't go well. Well, the knife, you know, the knife kills you. I, I just the knife just lift. You know, gravity just kicked in my hand, and and you know, the knife just wanted to stab you, but I, the knife controlled me as well. The knife killed you, not me. We don't have these conversations. If I poison you, if I give you bad food, I don't go around. Well, the food poisoned you. I didn't. If I, if I drug you, I don't go, well, like, it, well, listen, I didn't drug you. I wasn't in your system to drug you. I just happened to give you pills. It was the pills that drug you. I'm totally innocent. We don't have these scenarios in our world. But when it comes to guns, it's all of a sudden, well, let, 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 just leave that person alone. Leave that person alone. It's all about the gun. So our first thing we must do as a society, and I don't care who it is, whether it's left, right, top, bottom, young, old, black, white, gay, straight, Christian, atheist, Muslim, I don't care. Let's not play these games. If someone does a horrific act, we must each and every time call evil by its name, because it is wrong. But let's have an honest conversation about these school shootings, shall we? Because this is a conversation that will very rarely be had. Because it is time to talk about these school shootings because it's clear America and the world has a problem. We are living in a world that has major problems. 
first question I would ask you. Is life precious today? Is life precious? Do we as a society say life is precious, life is valuable, life is unique, life is something to be cherished and to be held? Do we say that as a society today? I don't think so. How can we? How can we say that when all the millions of babies that are aborted each year? How can we say that when you have socialized medicine refusing care and treatment around the world? How can we say that where we live in a society where we are proudly progressive at down at fixing quote unquote down syndrome problem by abortion? How can we say that when we have a chunk of the world euthanizing? Believing in euthanasia, end of life. How can we say that in America and in the world where we are nothing more than a label, where we are dehumanizing the individual at an incredibly alarming race, where I don't see you as a person, I see you as a set of beliefs and labels. And if you don't believe what I believe, you're the enemy. You're my enemy. How can we say life is precious? How can we say life is precious? Let's just make this about America and a very simple thing. Where you have Republicans thinking Democrats are the enemy. If you keep thinking that and you keep following that analogy, well, what makes, you know, if Democrats are the enemy and Democrats are evil and, and Democrats are all these are Marxist ideologues, well, is their life precious? Is their life worth something? Well, if they're a communist, no. If they're if they're if they if they believe in in socialism, no, they're the enemy. We must defeat them because we make it about the per person. And the Democrats think the exact same thing about Republicans. Well, Republicans, you're all racist, xenophobic, homophobic, sexist, purist tea baggers. Is our life precious to you? Who's the people standing right now going? All life is precious. Who who are those people? So is it a shock when you live in this world where we are dehumanizing the individual to a set of labels that we don't have an appreciation for life, that no one is standing up going, all lives matter? That some kid doesn't go, well, look, you know, you know, some lives are disposable and I'm going to go kill a few people. Let's talk about the next thing, the culture. Are we promoting a culture of self-responsibility? Do we ever talk about self-responsibility, knowing that you're going to be responsible for your actions? Look at the example last week or two weeks ago, we discussed it, made it I thought it was hilarious, the Tide Pods. Instead of actually calling idiots out who think, oh, look, there's a Tide Pod, I'm going to eat that. Instead of calling that out as stupid, lawmakers were, well, we, we can't be, expect people to be responsible not to put a Tide Pod in their mouth. We need a new law. There's two New York people in the New York Senate or New York Assembly thinking we need a new law. We need to have a warning label on each one and we need to make them different colors and, and you know, not look, make them look so appetizing was one of the quotes. Do you think a Tide Pod is appetizing? I, I don't know what to say to you. I think maybe you're beyond help. But we don't talk about self-responsibility. I live in a gun-controlled state, i.e. you're not allowed to control guns. However, for a large chunk of my life, for at least six years of it, I knew exactly where there was a gun. 
In fact, I knew exactly where there was a gun and it was easily accessible. Yet I never touched it. I used to live down the country. I'm a country boy at heart. And I used to, my neighbours were a farmer. And behind the door, there was a single barrel shotgun. Not armed, not, a, not, not, um, not loaded, but it was there. You were told, you touched that, you're in lots of trouble. Like, I, I mean, like, I'm not going to tell you what the punishment was, but <laughs> think of what you, the worst punishment you'd ever give your kids today, and I would say multiply it by about a billion. It wasn't you're grounded. It was you're grounded, you're, you're, you're not been fed for a month. It was a, there was a lot you were told. But we had the self-responsibility to go, you know what? We listen to our parents. You don't touch that. Because here's the thing. You knew if you touched it, you'd have a major punishment, but also something bad might happen. But let's move on to justice, shall we? You're, you hear this phrase in the justice, in different levels of justice. See something, say something. How many people actually would say something in today's culture? They saw something dodgy. How many people would go, ah, oh, look, that's just, you know, that'd be just wasting police time, and it's probably nothing. How many people actually are encouraged to do that? How many people would actually, you know, I, I saw this, and it just didn't look right, and people go, ah, oh, look, you're just reading into it, don't worry about it. Don't look, just leave, leave alone, just mind your business. How many, so are we setting up communities where, where we actually are warm and we're just, we can talk to each other and kind of go, yeah, I noticed that too. Maybe we should talk about that and report it to the police and let them look into it. But also, with all the labels we have today, would we really see something and say something if it was against a certain, you know, protected class, quote-unquote? Would we really want that trouble in case what we saw was actually nothing? But let's also move on to the other justice rule. Because what you have right now in America and around the world is a justice system that is getting so lenient. You know, if you ever look at the, if you ever are interested, look at the, the read the crime reports, and especially from the juries when they pass their sentence. And listen to what they're accused of doing. And if they're guilty, listen to the, 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 the time of sentence they get. And see, does it make sense to you? Because for the longest time, we've had a justice system in America and around the world, which has become more and more soft is probably the best word. And the, the, the ideology has changed in the Justice Department. It's gone from, we want justice, to, well, look, we need to reform these people. One of the things that's missing from the Justice Department today, especially on the sentencing grounds... It's not just for justice for the crime that you've done. Let's say you've done a horrific crime in a family. Everyone just focuses on, well, it's just this isolated incident. The old justice wasn't about that. It was part, a big part of it was, you know, what's the, what's the family? And, you know, what's happened and what's the accusation? And what's the crime and the impact on it? And then you get a sentence based on that. But it was also another aspect of it. It was the preventative measure of it. Where you send a message to society, and let's just use this. You send a message to society that a school shooting is so wrong, is so repugnant to us as who we are as a society, we're going to use you as an example. Now, I'd be full disclosure. I would find the sickest, 
and most cruelest lethal injection that I could find to make him scream and I would execute him publicly. That's And I know I'm in the, the 0.00001% of people, maybe, who actually wants this guy to die and in a painful way. Not because of him, but because I would send a message to anyone who thinks about this. Who goes, you know what, maybe I will shoot up a school. Know that you will die screaming. You will die in the most painful way imaginable. That is why we have a justice system. It's to stop people kind of going, hey, you know what? I'm going to do something bad because uh, if I do something bad and I get caught, I hopefully won't get caught, but if I get caught, the system isn't that bad. You look at prisons today, not that bad. In some cases, you look at some of the sentences, not that bad. It can be put up with. And hey, I might get an education. I'd be reformed. But lastly, I'll ask you this question. And this is the last, this is the fundamental difference between some people like me and you who listen, the way we see the world, and the difference between so many other people around the world. Who do you seek to empower? Who do you seek to empower? Because so many people, the minute anything bad happens, the first place they look to is the federal government. What's the federal government doing? What, what, what are we doing? What? what, what? Well, why is it always the federal government? Everything I do and everything I try and promote in this show is to promote and empower the individual. To empower communities. Maybe if it is government, to empower local and state government. How do you fix this? Empower the people. Don't make this about a gun. Make this about evil. The responsibility, I know this is a hard word for some people today, the responsibility in large parts for school shootings are the schools. When you send your kid to school, you're sending your kid to school to be safe, to be educated, hopefully, to be taught the ways of the world, to taught how to think. But you're also there to keep them safe. If you think a law is going to fix school shootings, I'm sorry to tell you, spoiler alert, it won't work. Bad people will do bad things. And if you think just taking a gun away that, oh, well, you know, we haven't got a gun now, bad things won't happen. I'm sorry to tell you they will. It's time to have a conversation about how schools can better protect themselves. Whether it's more security, whether it's a a local military presence. And when I say military, I don't mean active military, I mean retired military. Who are there, who can serve, who can help, who can be protection. It's up to the schools to decide how to protect the schools. And then it's up to the parents and I know I'm going to talk a lot about responsibility, it's up to the parents to investigate those schools, kind of going, what security measures have you got in place? What are you going to do? Oh, oh okay, you, you have no security, you have no armed, so if someone decides, some crackpot decides to, to shoot up the school, you, you're just there defenseless waiting for the cops. Yeah, I'm not putting my kid in your school. I'm going to a different school. Well, what do you do? Oh, our teachers are armed. We have constant security. We have ex-military, you know, who do patrols. Very subtle, very discreet. They don't open carry. They're, they're, okay, cool, I want my kid to go to your school. It might still happen, but at least there's precautions in place. Not just, well, we're just going to sit here helpless waiting for the police to come. Responsibility is on the schools, on the individuals, on the teachers, on the parents, on society, on communities. 
How are communities going to stand up and do this? That is what needs to be discussed. Because we need to end this. We need to end this violence. But we don't do it. If we, do, if we honestly keep trying to empower the federal government to write a law, we need to empower individuals, we need to empower communities, we need to empower people. But we also need to call evil by its name. And speaking of that, in the next segment, we're going to call evil by its name when we talk about North Korea. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back, America. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. What's the matter? Just some email issues. That's all. It's just internet issues. That's fine. We're all good. What's going on? So HR hasn't had the conversation. I don't know if I can do it. You got things right in your hand. What do you mean? Yeah, but this is. Pat, there's a reason why he's locked out of his email. Let's not talk about it anymore. Okay. Yeah, well, you know, look, my my parking sign went missing, so. That's true. Oh, no. I got the hint. I'm getting, I'm finally getting the hint. Pat Gray. Weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple on Demand. On the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. So let's call evil by its name, shall we? North Korea. Is there a more despotic, evil, tyrannical regime in this world than North Korea? And I don't mean this from an American point of view or a war point of view. I just mean from a a human point of view. You read some of the, the stories, if you're lucky, there's, there's not that many to read because it's so clamped down of what you can and can't get out of the, you know, you can't exactly get information, you know, on the politicians and on, on the stories because it's such a, a tyrannical regime, the stories really don't get out. But this is a country that has debt camps, concentration camps, labor camps, kills people. Some of the crimes that people are treated to labor camps and, and maybe even debt for, you've heard some stories, if you've seen some of the videos, of, of watching a Hollywood movie or they're not questioning, they're questioning the leader. You know, things that we take for granted. It is a horrific regime that starves its citizens, that treats its citizens like, you know what? I'd say if it treated its citizens like second-class citizens, that would be a dream for 99.999% of North Koreans. It is horrific. It is truly evil and despicable what goes on in that country. Yet, the same people, the same people in America, who would dare lecture people like me and you, about the need for gun control. You need to get gun control. Who would dare lecture people like me and you and dare tell me that, you know, well, if you oppose Obama, you're a racist, xenophobic, homophobic, sexist person. The same people who would dare lecture people in this audience who I know voted for Donald Trump as some type of 
dictator, you know, supporter or racist supporter are those same people who are fawning over the sister of the North Korean dictator. All the stories in the media this week of how what she gave Mike Pence the side eye. Uh-huh. And the response to this. Well, did you see the, the MVP of the, the, the Winter Olympics? I think so, I can't remember who said this. I saw this on Twitter. The MVP of the, the Winter Olympics, which I think I've watched, oh, that's right, zero seconds of. The, the MVPs are, are the, the cheerleaders for North Korea. They're so cute. Uh-huh. Do you realize if they make one false step, their parents are probably killed? They might be killed. They might be put into a forced labor camp. And you want to dare call them the MVP of the Winter Olympics? Wow. There's also the stories of how it's so cute. You know, we, we make light of, we want to talk about guns and we need to get serious on guns, John. But when a dictator's sister, you know, who's, I don't know what her, what's her official title again? Oh, that's right, she's the head of propaganda. You know, on a side point, just if you don't care about the people involved, you have to give her kudos. The head of propaganda in North, of North Korea is playing a blinder right now. Because she's got the American media and the world media filled. As she's like, she's some type of like, she's like Princess Diana. She's just like so, you know, so sweet and good looking and, and harmless and charming. And she's just charming the world. She's just like Princess Diana. It's not like, no, she's not a dictator's sister. Stop. What's so frustrating is the media's response to this. What's so frustrating is we want to talk about guns and dictators and and Nazis and fascists, yet when there actually are dictators, Nazis and fascists, the media is silent on it. I've heard heard a lot of coverage of this analogy of her. I've heard a lot of coverage of blaming the mainstream media. That it's just so biased against Donald Trump that it's kind of going along the lines of, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend and my major enemy is Donald Trump right now. So ever who's Donald Trump's enemy is, I'm for them. And in this case, it just happens to be North Korea. Is there some truth to that statement and that, I, that thinking? I do believe so. There is no doubt the mainstream media is so hacked off Donald Trump won and Hillary Clinton lost that they will do do anything to destroy this guy if they can. They will do it. They, they're, they're, they'll do anything. However, I think it's very important to add a bit of context here. Is that the only reason they are doing what they are doing? No. Is that the biggest reason they are doing what they are doing? I don't think so. Now, I know people are going, what do you mean? What, what, what do you mean? You, you're saying they're not motivated by Donald Trump? I said it's part of it. It's nowhere near the biggest reason. My history and my, my context is the history of these publications. Let's just take someone like, I don't know, the New York Times, shall we? Not everything is about Donald Trump. The world didn't start when Donald Trump got elected. You want the biggest indictment and the biggest slam I can think of on the mainstream media? And let's just use the New York Times as a perfect example. 
who wrote puff pieces on what happened over the last week in North Korea. You want the biggest slam? Here it is. New York Times. Can you tell me the fascist dictator, bad person, evil, that you were against? Can you tell me who you stood against? North Korea? No. How about Cuba and Castro? No. How about Venezuela? No. How about some other South American dictators over the last hundred years? Nope. How about Hitler in World War II? Nope. Well, you did when it was too late. But a lot of the start of the time, you tried to hide a lot of the stuff. This is a track record that is going back in some publications 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years. It promotes people like Sean Penn and Michael Moore going over going, well, you know, Cuba is all right, really. Are you, are you serious? You really want to put the Cuban way of life to an American way of life and kind of go, yeah, they're, it, 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 it's, it, it's alike. They're, they're both human. Okay, what else have they got in common? Um, fundamental freedoms? No. Right to keep and innovate? No. Have they even got cars that are relatively new? No. Have they got mobile phones? No. Have they got... I, I bet you they have Xboxes in Cuba, right? No. Can they criticize their government? <laughs> sure they can. Yeah, they can. But there's a consequence. There's, you know, you always say about self-responsibility. You can criticize the Cuban government, but you've got to be responsible for what's coming. Oh, okay, cool. The mainstream media loves control and loves tyranny. Now, we can make this argument that's going on right now about Donald Trump. We can, if you want to, go for it. It won't be done on this show, but there will be plenty of shows for that argument to be made. What we have right now is a fundamental difference of the way of life. The saddest thing about a lot of the mainstream outlets is they don't come out harsh and strong against bad, bad leaders. You can even be socialist. You can have a socialist worldview. You can kind of go, you look, look. The way Ireland and, and Europe and, and France does socialism is good. And Britain. That's okay. But, you know, people who push it to the end, like, like Castro, they're bad. You can be a socialist and not have a, you know, not support someone like Castro. You can do that if, if it's so ideologically for you. You can do that. Point to Ireland. It's 100 years in existence. It's always been socialist from day one. It is a socialist progressive utopia. Proudly. Their politicians say how proud they are of how socialist and progressive they are. And they want to be more socialist and progressive. You can support that. But the sad thing is, the people in the mainstream media who are socialists, who are big government, who are for control, don't understand the line. And they continue to defend these brutal turtle world dictators. It's how we respond is whether we'll make inroads or not. If we respond in, in saying, well, it's just the media suck, no one's going to listen to us. We'll just talk to the choir. And anyone who gets it will kind of go, yeah, the media do suck. Which they do, by the way. I'm not saying they don't. They're horrific. I can't point to many journalists who I kind of go, they're okay. I can point to one or two who are, you're okay, but great? No. No, I can't point to anyone on either side, by the way. 
The situation in North Korea is not about going to war with them. The situation in North Korea potentially might lead to war because of what they're doing. And especially when you have the media fawning all over the, 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 the dictator sister who, well, who made a threat last week and no one seemed to, in the mainstream media, seemed to pick up on the threat. Everyone thought it was the greatest light ever. Where she said, well, we, you know, we're so impressed and, and we want to, you know, have a unification of Korea. Everyone thought, oh, isn't that so sweet? Isn't she so kind? She wants a unification of, North Korea. of Korea. Isn't that just wonderful? That was a threat. That wasn't, hey, let's sit down and, you know, have a conversation about how we can unify our countries and, and you can learn from us. Okay, and and we can learn from you and how your way of life and and you know we can all have these conversations and and we can unify our governments and unify our currencies and unify our way of life and and we can live in peace. She didn't mean that. I've been talking about unification for a long time. What unification means to generally King Jong Un and, and the people who represent him is is yeah we want unification. What we're here's what we're going to do. We're going to invade you. And we're going to take over your lands, we're going to take over your property, we're going to take over your food supply, we're going to take over your currency, we're going to take over your government, and you're all going to bow down to me, the dictator, King Jong-un. That's what unification means to North Koreans. It's not some, ha oh, ha, that's so nice, she wants to unify Korea. You see, you see, it's, it's, it's evil Donald Trump that wants war, they want unification, they want peace. And what's even more frustrating was, and this is not coming from an American, this is coming from a Japanese person. One of the Japanese top ministers in the Japanese government went, the media do not be fooled by her. She is the head of propaganda. She'll put on a nice smile and a nice face and might even say the, ni- the right things. Do not be fooled. Do you think the media listened? <laughs> no. Oh, she's so sweet. Look, look, she gave Mike Pence the side eye. How do we have conversations? Well, for me, I know this, if you're a long-term listener, you'll be sick of this answer. It's not about the people. It's not about, let's have conversations about North Korea. The, the answer is not, let's have more conversations about defending Donald Trump. The, the answer is not talking about war. The answer is highlighting liberty versus tyranny. There is no way you can look at North Korea and say anything but it is a despotic, tyrannical, despicable regime which seeks to destroy and enslave its own people. Now what is the answer to that after you identify it? Liberty. Liberty. I don't mean, well, you just have to install Republican programs i.e. the Republican Party programs, or you need more Democratic programs, or you need more Tea Party. I mean you need liberty to explain fundamental rights. You know, the rights that you have in the Declaration of Independence that says, you know what, all men are created equal, not all white, not all black, not all Hispanic, all men, and that you have certain rights from God. How about we start expanding those views around the world to places like North Korea? Where we say you are in charge of your destiny. You can do anything you want. Oh, you don't want to pick rice in the rice field? Okay, cool. You go innovate. Go do something. Go follow your dreams. Go pursue your happiness. How do we respond is so critical. So, again, if you want to make what happened in North Korea about Donald Trump and the media's hate for Donald Trump, go for it. There is some, there is some truth to it. 
There may be a lot of truth, but I don't think it's the biggest reason. The biggest reason, sadly, and this is the biggest indictment I can think of, of the mainstream media is, they don't have a record of speaking out against brutal dictatorships. They don't have any track record of standing firm and calling evil out by its name. Not of course, actually that's not true. They do have a record of calling evil by its name. They have a great record of, of blaming how you know a shooting is about a gun, about how if you dare oppose Obama, you're a racist. Um, if you dare vote for Donald Trump, you're a sexist, racist, xenophobic, homophobic, sexist, bad, evil person. Now, they do have a record of calling evil, some evil out. It's just sadly those are people are, are generally people who disagree with them in America. But when it comes to around the world, they don't have a record. Why? I don't know why. They feel sorry for third world dictators. They're so desperate socialism to point to socialism working somewhere. Or whether they're just afraid. Or whether it's just one big gain to the media. I don't know the intentions. But their track record is clear. When it comes to brutal, despotic, tyrannical governments, they either write puff pieces or are deadly silent. And that is the biggest slam you could ever say about the mainstream media. When we come back, we're going to talk about an article in the Constitution and in your Bill of Rights about the Second Amendment. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Disciple on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. So, in the constitutional segment that we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about the Second Amendment. And I ask you to bear with me in this segment because I'm going to say something at the start that's going to annoy you, but I think it needs the case needs to be made, and I'm going to make it as best as I can for you. So, the Second Amendment of the Constitution in the Bill of Rights is as follows. A well-regulated militia been necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That is what the Constitution and the Bill of Rights says, the Second Amendment. The reason I'm going to discuss this with you today is for one simple reason. It's because right now you're going to have a debate, and the NRA are going to lead a large part of that debate in the response to guns. I'm going to make the case to you right now, or do the best I can, that the Second Amendment has absolutely nothing to do with guns. And the sad thing is, people on both sides of the aisle always want to make it about guns, when guns has absolutely nothing to do with the Second Amendment. Bear with me. So if the Second Amendment isn't about guns, what is it? Well, do you see the word gun written in the Second Amendment? Do you hear the word musket written in the Second Amendment? No. The Second Amendment has absolutely nothing to do with guns and everything to do with nature's law and nature's God. 
when you understand, as I've been trying to do, I didn't plan to do this segment today. I was planning on doing it in about three or four weeks to lay more context for it. But when you understand, if you've listened to the prior segments of the Declaration of Independence, I've been laying out the case how we're all created equal, how we all have certain rights from God, how it's government's job not to give rights but to protect rights, and how certain people have certain rights from the Creator, and the role of nature, so they're applied equally, whether you believe in God i.e. the God I believe in, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whether you believe in, in a in a, a different God, you know, a Muslim God, Allah, what do you believe in? You're an atheist and you don't believe there is a God. What do you believe in? Um, whether you're a deist, whether you believe in, you know, I don't know, a bottle of orange gives me my powers, whatever it is, and my rights. It doesn't matter. It's the same. It's your creator. It's nature's law and nature's God. It is the law of nature. That is what we are talking about. When you understand what's in the First Amendment, like the right to free speech, the right to freedom of religion, the right to a free press, the right to the freedom of assembly, the right to petition your government. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. When you, ha when you talk about the Fourth Amendment, the right to be secure in your persons and your papers, the right in the Fifth Amendment to, to a speedy trial. These are all rights that come from nature. They are all rights that you can't really touch but yet, somehow along the way, we've made the Second Amendment about a material object. Which kind of sticks out if you read the Bill of Rights. Because none of the other ones are about material objects. They're about nature's law and nature's God. The Second Amendment is about a right to self-defense. You have a right not to be a victim. You have a right to protect yourself in a way that you see fit. That's realistic. It doesn't say anything about guns in the Second Amendment. It says the right to bear arms. You have a right to defend yourself. If that means defending yourself by a knife, so be it. If that means like you're in Texas where you can carry, I can't remember the name of the sword, but you're allowed to carry a sword in and walk the street in Texas because the legislator passed it last year. You have that right. If you're, if a sword is your thing, if you think you're a samurai and you think a sword can beat a gun, go for it. Have fun. That's your right to bear arms. If you want to have a handgun, go for it. It's your right to bear arms. If you want a, a, a single barrel shotgun, a double barrel shotgun, an AR-15, it is your right to defend yourself how you see fit. If you're a, a gun-free person, if you don't like guns and you think, you know what? I'm a big guy, I'm a tough guy. If, if anything happens, I, I, you know, I'll throw soup bones at someone and that's your way of defending your family? <laughs> okay, go for it. It's about the right to self-defense. It's about a right to protect yourself and those you love, whether that's your, you know, if you're living with your parents, whether you're living with your spouse or your partner, you're living with your roommate, you're living with your kids. It's your right to defend yourself. Because, again, it's the laws of nature. Is anything compatible with the laws of nature that says, look, if, if, if a bad guy decides to target you, to rob you, or to beat you up, or, or to rape you, or, or to even murder you, that you just have to sit there and kind of go, huh, oh, well, guess my time is up. I give up. Is that any way consistent with the laws of nature when you understand we're all created equal and we have a right to you know, our property and to pursue our happiness? Does that sound any way consistent? 
Or is it consistent to say with the laws of nature, to say if someone targets you, you have a right to defend yourself. You are not a victim. You have a right to defend yourself, your family, your property, your belongings. However you see fit. My problem, and the reason I'm bringing this up today, is because we will make everything about guns. And we'll make it about a material object. And eventually, one of these days, someone is going to seed ground on the Second Amendment and just go, well, you can't have a, an, an automatic weapon. Or, you, you know, I hear all these arguments all the time. Well, well, you know, a magazine with six bullets is more than enough. Really? Or, you know, you know, you know a gun shouldn't shoot more than 12 bullets a minute. These guns that go bum, 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 they're just bad. I mean, I'm using all their, their language. Who are you to tell other people what's enough? You know, what frustrates me about on the gun debate is we, we just accept, so many people just accept, well, someone else telling you what's enough is enough. I'm sorry, what? I have a right to decide how I defend myself. How I defend myself. But also, I also have the understanding that I am self-responsible enough to teach my kids about guns. To teach my kids that you don't touch these. Or if you do touch them, that you're with a supervised adult and you have gun responsibility. That you know gun safety. I like you don't point it at someone. That you don't do something stupid. That you know that this can kill you or kill someone else. And your life is over if that happens. That you have that responsibility. But what's frustrating is everyone will make this about the NRA. Everyone will make this about guns. And, and we'll defend guns or we'll, we'll say we need more gun control. And other people will say make about gun-free gun zones. No, you have a right to control and be defend yourself but just on another point because you're going to see a lot of memes from my friends and the conservative movement going well this is what happens in gun free zones gun violence happens if you believe in freedom I know that's a, that's such a such an outdated word freedom what does that mean John I support people to live in gun free zones that's the great thing about freedom is you let people control how they defend themselves and how they, how they live. I've heard some policies where they're going, you know what, we need to be more like other countries and demand every citizen holds a gun. That's not freedom, that's tyranny. It just happens to be a tyranny you like and that you think is okay, but it's a form of tyranny. If I decide to live in a, gun, a gun-free house, I've paid for the house. It's my house. I own the title. And I go, I don't like guns. I don't want to be around guns. I don't want any guns in this house. I have that right. If I want to run a business as a gun-free zone, that is my right. And by the way, just on a side point, the Blaze is a quote-unquote gun-free zone in, the, in a context. In that I couldn't carry a gun into the Blaze when I went to see Glenn Beck last year. Even though I... Technically, I'm connected to the company. I can't walk in with a gun. Why? I'd be stopped by security. I wouldn't get past the front door. It's a gun-free zone. In the sense that people 
who go into the building don't carry guns. However, it's crystal clear and it's obvious there are people who carry guns in that place and they are trained to use deadly force. Gun-free zones are a right to of people if they want. It's your right then to go, hey, I, this is a gun-free zone, a gun-free theater, a gun-free school. I'm not going there. I'm not sending my kids there. I don't feel safe. Go somewhere else then. But when we make the Second Amendment solely about guns, I believe we lose the argument. Because we're no longer talking about nature's law. We're talking about material possession. And we are getting away from the Constitution. Let us talk about the right to defend ourselves. Because, by the way, this is where I think we can make inroads if we stop making it about guns and we make it about the right to self-defense. And I've used this analogy in the past. And if you're a long-term listener, you know this. Liberals, Democrats, get the right to self-defense. They get it. You want proof that they get it? Can you imagine? Just think of the headlines that be written in the following story. A man went into the woods today and went into a cave. And a man saw a cute little bear and went, Oh, look at you. You're a cute little bear. Come here. And the bear, he tried to pet the bear. He thought the bear was a cute little thing. He thought it was like a little puppy. And he wanted to pet the dog or pet the bear. And it was a cute little bear. And then all of a sudden, Mama Bear saw what the man was doing to the little baby bear. He was, you know, he was scratching him under the skin. He was going, oh, he's a cute little bear. Oh, you're the best little bear. And the mama bear basically destroyed him and killed him, ate him. Is there anyone, liberal media, who'd kind of go, that was a bad bear. That was a bad, bad bear. Or would we all kind of go, guy's an idiot. He thinks he's petting a dog and he's petting a bear. What do you think the bear's going to do? The bear's just going to go, oh, look at that. I'm going to roll over on my back and let you rub my belly. And then the mama bear's going to come and go, hey, rub me too. Bears don't generally act like that. They kind of go, you're a threat or you're food. I'm going to kill you. And especially around my cub. Do you think any liberal media would be like, bad bear. Bad bear kills innocent man who just, thought, who just wanted to pet the bear. We need, a, we need a law from D.C. on bears and what they can do. Or do you think the liberal media began to go, it's a bear. What do you think was going to happen? Exactly. The bear was defending itself. It was defending its cub. It was defending its territory, its home. How is that different to me wanting to defend my home, defend my family against an intruder? It just so happens I want to defend myself because, and let's just use, play along, I'm not a good boxer. I'm not a good fighter. If someone breaks into my home, I'm not that strong. I may be, I'm not able to defend myself. And I'm not some samurai who happens to know how to good with swords. I need a gun. And the reason I need a, a gun with a big magazine more than six bullets is because I'm a lousy shot. The chances are, if I am shooting you, it'll probably take 10 of those shots to hit you. Let's just play along. Let's just play dumb here. This is not me, by the way. It's the right to defend yourself. That is what we need to talk about, in my opinion. The right to defend yourself. And if we make it about a principle and not a material object, I think we can actually have an honest conversation with some people. Not the politicians, not the media, but your fellow Democrats. Because I actually believe there is a large part of your Democrats, people, 
who are Democrat, who actually like the Second Amendment, who get it. But because of the media and because of the politicians, we're all taught to think we're the other's the enemy. And the media, they just suck. The other side's at fault. If we actually start having conversations, ignoring the media, ignoring the politicians, just with our fellow human beings and your fellow Americans, I think you might actually be surprised the amount of people, if you talk about the right to self-defense, have you, have you know anyone in any, think of the worst Democrat that you can think of. Is there anyone who's going to go, yeah, I, yeah, you don't have a right to defend yourself. You just have to play there and lay dead. Is there anyone who's going to go, yep, yeah, that's, that's absolutely what you have to do. Anyone. That is what I believe is the Second Amendment. It's not about guns. It's about the right to defend yourself. When we come back, I want to talk to you about an economic lesson and about the military budget. Don't go anywhere, America. We'll be right back. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. The Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the morning blaze with Doc. Actually, honestly, though, uh, <laughs> white people were the minorities in my high school. Really? Yeah. The crackers? So, no yeah. kidding. Did you give them a yeah. beat down? Uh, Did you mock them? I mean, you had to, you know. Yeah. You got you you to gotta let them know who, right, who runs good. the place. Here, try this <laughs> Try this pepper. No, it's not hot. No, it's not hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tequila's like beer. <laughs> the morning blaze. Weekday morning, 6 to 9 Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. Freedom's Disciple On Demand. On the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I hope today's show has given you plenty to think about. I want to finish up this today's show by just talking to you about economics. And we've been trying to break down economic principles. And and I want to talk to you about something that has kind of always frustrated me with um, people who are quote-unquote fiscal conservative. I'm going to use a load of labels right now. Who are claim to be fiscally conservative, who abandon those principles when it comes to a certain topic. One of my frustrations, and I've, I've always defended him behind the scenes in some aspects when he talks about this, is Rand Paul. Because Rand Paul gets some type of a bad rap because, you know, some of the stuff he says about spending, because he's, he is a, a fiscal conservative, to use labels, which I hate doing, every, in every aspect of life. And one of the things I've always seen him being attacked for, and people like him, is anytime he dare questions a military budget, it's, oh, you're unpatriotic, you don't like the military. Because what I've noticed is a large chunk, and this is, and this, I understand why they do this, is a large chunk of people love your military so much that they don't like questioning it. So anytime, anytime you have a president says, you know, we need more military spending, everyone goes, absolutely. And especially... It's understandable when you look at the, the history of military spending and how its money has been spent in you know in the last 20, 30 years. A Republican kind of always has to come into office after a Democrat and raise military spending because they generally don't prioritize the, the money. But what frustrates me is you have a cabal in D.C. who are not honest, who are not open, who are not transparent, and I'm talking about everyone. On all sides of the aisle. 
It's all one big game to them. And last week, the budget was passed, was voted on. And it included certain provisions. And it's a two-year budget. And there was a lot of outrage and for certain people's votes, and I don't want to really talk about that today. I want to just make this about pure economics. But a lot of people were happy that the military defence budget went up. Now, unless you've done a lot more research than I have, I don't know what's going to be dispensed on the defence budget. I am 100% supportive of your military. I, I, I hope that comes across. I, I salute them on every show. I have many friends, and my best friend is a military vet. I have a lot of dear friends who have served in all branches of your military, from your military to your navy to your marines. They are just incredible men and women who have served. However, when it comes to spending, it's never asked what you're spending the money on. So if you came to me and said, John... Do you think this is a good idea? We, we're going to raise money to build this new battleship. Okay, cool. We're going to have new, build new planes. Absolutely. This is needed. This is needed to keep, you know, because ships don't have a, a lifespan of 100, 200 years. They have to be replaced. Planes have to be replaced. It's like a car, it only does a certain amount of miles. So you can make that case. However, what was passed last week was just a blanket budget. Just to, let's just increase the military spending, and everyone went crazy. Everyone thought this was wonderful. I want to give you an example. I want to play you an example. Is this the type of spending you're supportive of? Just bear with this audio for a minute. Example. The Department of Defense, last year, we found this out, spent $45 million on a natural gas gas station in Afghanistan. $45 million. It was projected to cost $500,000. 86 some odd overruns, you know, of cost overruns, $45 million. So you're scratching your head and you're saying, natural gas gas station, what is that? We don't have one in my town. We don't have any in my town either. They didn't have any in Afghanistan. But you know what? They decided that they needed to reduce the carbon footprint of Afghanistan. All right? They would reduce the carbon footprint of Afghanistan. I thought the military's job was to kill the enemy. So the military's job now is to reduce their carbon footprint? So they bought a $45 million gas station that serves up natural gas, and guess what they discovered? They kept waiting, so there's a guy sitting next to the pump. You can imagine him sitting on a stool, and he's waiting for customers. No one ever came. And then someone said, oh my goodness, they don't have any cars that run on natural gas. Well, that would probably be the same if you came to my town in Kentucky. Almost nobody's got a car in America. This, they live in a primitive state in Afghanistan, and you're expecting them to have natural gas cars? So they said, well, gosh, we already built this $45 million gas station. Maybe we should buy them some cars. So they bought them some cars with your money. They paid for the gas station with your money. Now they bought them some cars with your money. But then the people still wouldn't come in. They said, we don't have any money. And they said, okay, well, we've got the gas station. We've got your cars. You need a credit card. So we gave them credit cards. So they have a U.S. credit card that you pay for to take their natural gas car that you paid for to go to a natural gas gas station because we're reducing the carbon footprint in Afghanistan. When did that become the job of the military? And why does that go on year after year after year? That's a great case made by Senator Rand Paul. We can have an honest discussion about the military spending, but it cannot be always an increase. 
unless you're actually breaking it down what it's for. Because as anyone who is a fiscal conservative or someone who supports your military, is there anyone kind of going, you know what, I'm glad we supported that increase in military spending because we got to reduce the carbon footprint in Afghanistan. Is that what you signed up for? The sad thing is, your deep politicians, and I include the, G- the Republican Party in this, and the GOP, are selling you out and are playing you at your own game. Because what they do is they understand your patriotism. They understand that you support the military. And they understand you don't really like questioning the military. Here's what they do. Well, we have to get this passed somehow. So what we'll do is we'll sneak it in the military budget. The military budget. There's 45 million for a petrol station and another couple of million for cars and then God knows how much for credit cards to pay for the gas. And no one will ever question it because it's in the military budget. Because, you know, conservatives don't want to be seen as anti-military, so they'll never question it. And, and we'll have this situation where to improve, to improve their carbon footprint, we put that in the military budget as well. If you want to be, quote-unquote, and I hate using labels, but fiscally conservative, you, it's all or nothing. It's not a pick and mix. You can't be fiscally conservative and kind of go, when it comes to you know, um, entitlement programs, when it comes to social security, when it comes to the level of government spending, we're all fiscally conservative. But when it comes to the military, we're all, nope, you can do what they want. Fiscal conservatism doesn't work that way. Because if it does, they will screw you. They will enslave more and more of your people through debt. That is what is happening right now. And the sad thing on a side point, your budgetary process has become so laughable, it is sad. And when I say laughable, I mean laughable because my true emotions are, it's, it's a slap in the face. It's incredible what your budgetary process has done, how it has become, where you have a simple up and down vote on everything or nothing. There is no reconciliation process. You don't have a discussion kind of going, okay, we're now discussing if we're going to pay $45 million on a military, on a gas station, natural gas station in Afghanistan, and then have an up and down vote on whether that should be included or not. You don't have that. It's all, it's, that is probably one line in a 20,000 letter word bill. And what are you going to do? Say no to that when there's loads of other good stuff that you like? Kind of like last week's budget. Last week's budget, honestly, last week's budget, if I was to sum it up, uh, was a load of people at a cocktail party having a wonderful time. Last week's budget in D.C. was horrific. It was like, you know these game shows, you know, or not these game shows, you know these audience shows where they go and they get sponsored by someone. And, you know, it's like, well, we have this wonderful product and it's wonderful. And, and, and everyone goes, oh, yeah. And then the, the, the presenter goes, and there's one for everyone in the audience. That's what your budget process was like last week. There was goodies for everyone. Oh, you're, this is your special? Because there's a million dollars for you. Oh, what's your special? Because there's a million dollars for you. Oh, yours, oh, yours is special. There's two million dollars for you. Oh, what are yours? Oh, there's a billion dollars for you. What, what's your special? Pro- okay, there's a million dollars for you. It was like they were just throwing candy around. Ooh, something for everyone. Something for everyone. And then they put this all big together and it's either vote for all of it or none of it. 
all of us or none of us. Your process has become a joke. And on the military side of things, people celebrating the military spending as some type of victory, I would ask you to keep a word of caution and be careful of what you're celebrating. If it is spent in the right way to update your ships, because if it's if it's spent to, to get better services for the servicemen and women, I will join you in that celebration. That is something that is badly needed. Because you do need updating your ships. You do need to update your Navy. You do need to update your Air Force. Which is something we may discuss in a future show of how, in some ways, your fleet is the smallest since World War II. You do have major disadvantages from a strategic point of view in your military. If it is spent on closing those disadvantages, absolutely awesome. I will salute and celebrate. However, if it's spent building another gas station in Afghanistan or Libya or or some other type of spending which is not what the military is for, I won't be happy. And I don't think you should be either. Just something to think about as these politicians are pulling the wool over your eyes each and every day, even the Republicans. I hope today's given you something to think about, something to ponder on. As always, we salute the men and women who serve 24-7, your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets. And most of all, we salute you, the American people. America is great because Americans are good. Never forget that. And until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, have a beautiful and blessed week. Take care, America. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network.